Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Rev. Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Well, this morning, as you know, it is Palm Sunday. Uh, We are uh, recognizing the, the very important day. Typically, Palm Sunday and Easter or Resurrection Sunday, churches all over the land are packed to capacity. Hallelujah. So for me, this is a little unusual. Hallelujah. But we're going forward in the strength and boldness of the Spirit of God. But we welcome you once again to our Palm Sunday message. The title of my message this morning is going to be called The Homecoming King. The Homecoming King. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 10. Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. I'll give you a moment to find that. For those that are here, and if you're at home, I'm going to ask you, just as a sign of obedience, if we could all stand to our feet for reverence of the Word of God while we read together. Thank you so much. Beginning at verse number 1 in Mark chapter 11, and the word of the Lord says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Saints of God, you may take your seats. Those at home, you can take your seats. I thank you for your obedience. Praise the Lord. I want to begin by, by keeping it real this morning. Amen? Uh, as a preacher of the Word of God, as a teacher of the Word, I find 
that these holiday messages are really the most difficult messages to deliver. And they're, they're difficult not because of the, the subject matter, but because everyone, in a sense, if you've been part of a church body, you know that around this time you're going to hear the Palm Sunday message. You know that next week is the Resurrection Sunday message. You know that in December you're going to hear about the birth of baby Jesus. And you know that different times of the year, Mother's Day, you're going to hear a Mother's Day message. I tell you in the name of Jesus, do not disconnect hallelujah today i pray that you be remain steadfast that you remain vigilant you might have heard some of these things before but i guarantee you that god has a fresh rhema word for you today and if you walk away it will be a grave mistake amen praise god so we want to begin this morning with the passage that we spoke about jesus is with his disciples and they're approaching Jerusalem. They're on their way. Now remember, by this time, Jesus is extremely famous. All right? Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Numerous people were healed. Numerous people were delivered and renewed. Everybody knew about Jesus. How many know that if somebody comes out of a tomb and he says, take the, 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 the grave clothes off of them, guess what? Your name is going to spread like a wildfire. Everybody knew about Jesus. Some of the people actually ate the fish and ate the bread that was multiplied that day. And it was like a fresh, hot-baked bread. How many have ever had fresh bread right out of the oven? Amen? And so they ate of the fish. They ate of the bread. They were cured of many diseases. They've seen leprosy fall off like scales. They've seen blind people with sight. The lame were able to walk. The mute were able to hear. Uh, 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 the, the deaf were able to hear. The mute were able to speak. Excuse me. But they saw all these miracles and Jesus' fame spread throughout the whole land. And now Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he tells his disciples, listen, I want you and you to go ahead of me and you're going to look for a colt and you're going to see this colt tied. And no one ever sat on this colt. It is a, a colt that has been unused. It's been unblemished. How many know that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus Christ? Nobody is able to sit on the throne or to sit on the seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the only one that was to sit on that colt. It's as if the Lord, now we don't know this in scripture, but it's as if the Lord said, listen, that colt that you have in your barn, that colt is special. We know all throughout the word, right, where, where somebody was special, an angel of the Lord came and said, listen, you're going to have a child. This child is going to be special. Right. Samson, his his uh, an angel came to their parents and said, you're going to have a child. This child is going to be one of the deliverers of Israel. Right. When whenever somebody uh, special is born, there's a special call. It usually is an announcement. We don't know, but I'm assuming I'm imagining that an angel of the Lord may have appeared or it could have been a dream. It could have been a message from God. Do not sit on this cult. This cult belongs to the master. One day, the Messiah, one day, the Lord of hosts is going to come and ask for this cult. So wouldn't you know, this guy has his cult tied on the outside of his home, not inside of a barn, not where it was hidden. It was outside of the, of the barn. And they said, listen, we're going to take it. And he said, what are you doing? Oh, the master has need of it. He knew that the hour had come. 
It's pretty, pretty awesome to think about that. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about the cult because it's important that you understand whenever a warrior, back then the ancient customs, whenever a mighty warrior conquered uh, the enemy in battle, the custom was to ride into the city gates on a white or on a black stallion. And that represented that they defeated the enemies of the land. They were valiant in battle and they have overcome. Amen. It was a sign symbolizing ultimate victory and domination over their enemies. But whenever a mighty warrior came into town on a cult, it was a different sign altogether. The cult represented peace. They were able to negotiate peace with the enemy. There was no need to fight because peace had been established. Amen. And whenever a mighty warrior was able to come on a cult, the people knew, listen, the enemy was so scared, the enemy was so terrified that we didn't even have to fight. They walked on the battlefield and the enemy laid the scepter down and that was it. The battle was over. A cult represented peace between nations and rivals. And in the word, we hear about people spreading their clothes and palms on the street before the Lord. So as Jesus was sitting on this cult, people were taking their garments off. They were ripping branches off the palm trees and throwing it on the path of the Lord. These uh, uh, royal, colorful uh, clothings uh, represented submission. They threw their clothes as an act of humility. They were saying, Jesus, you are my king. I submit to you. I literally take off my robe and you could walk on top of it representing your authority over my life. You are now my Lord. Do you understand the significance of what they were doing? This time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt, it was like a parade atmosphere. There was pomp and pageantry. There was ceremony and celebration. Everyone wanted to see the king. The king is coming. Soon he will be here. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Do you know what Hosanna means? Hosanna means salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation. The Savior is here. Our, our King is here. Our Savior. Hosanna to God in the highest. Jesus was very strategic in the time in which he came into Jerusalem. I don't want you to miss this. He chose to go to Jerusalem during Passover. Passover is one of the most celebrated holidays and festivals in the Jewish culture. Everyone would be in Jerusalem, gathered together, united to celebrate the Passover holidays. It was like one of those days where everything stopped. All the communities would come together in one central location and celebrate the Passover. Now think of this. Wouldn't it be something if Jesus decided to return on Passover? Wouldn't it be something if the rapture of the church took place any moment now? Wouldn't it be possible? All throughout the Bible, there are patterns, biblical patterns and principles, right? On the third day, we'll, we'll talk about that in a few moments. But imagine if, if, if 
Jesus came during this time. Do you know that we're about to celebrate Passover? That time is coming. Do you know that while we're not here, that everybody is at home? Everybody, families are all together. There were times where we couldn't eat dinner together because we were all scattered. There were times that people were in school. This one's in college. This one's in, in work. Now everybody is together. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that special? Everybody's on lockdown mode. Hallelujah. Imagine if the Lord came right now. Where many of us are waiting for our release to go back to our normal life. While many others, those that are waiting on the return of Christ, are waiting for the Lord Jesus to come for his bride. You know the Passover, many of us know the story. The Passover commemorates the exodus from Egypt where God delivered the Israelites, the Jewish nation, from their oppressors, where God delivered them from the Pharaoh's hand. And he, and he had a whole bunch of plagues. If you, if you think of the, the pestilences and all the different things that God chose to use to deliver his people, it's kind of an eerie resemblance of where we are right now. There were plagues, the plague of locusts, the plagues of, uh, of flies and of frogs and boils and all types of things that God used to demonstrate his absolute power and authority. The river turned to blood. There were all kinds of plagues, but there was one plague that sent it over the top. And that was the tenth and final plague, the most critical of the plagues. And it was God said he would send the angel of death to kill the firstborn child in Egypt. And he said, unless your doorpost were covered with the blood of the lamb, it had to be a perfect unblemished lamb that was sacrificed and the blood of the lamb would be painted on the doorpost and if the doorpost was covered the angel of death would pass over you saints of god is the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart the angel of death will pass over you. The, the plagues and the pestilence will pass over you. No evil shall befall your dwelling, but is the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart. If it is, you will be among the millions or maybe billions of us that are going to be raptured, hallelujah, when the Lord returns. And, and let me tell you something. Those that are covered by the blood of Jesus... I'm going to tell you, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a seven-year celebration feast. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of party. Hallelujah. We're going to be partying for seven years while all hell is unleashed upon earth. That's the kind of party I want to be at. Hallelujah. Jesus is called in Scripture the Prince of Peace. Pay very close attention. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's no mystery why Jesus chose to come into Jerusalem on a colt. 
symbolizing peace, restoration, and unity. He fulfilled one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Do you know that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he didn't have to say a word, but because of the custom, because of the symbolism, he was saying, I am your king. Hallelujah. He was proclaiming himself king. The king not only was coming, the king had arrived. Hallelujah. This is often referred to as a triumphant entry, the proclamation of king. It was unmistakable to the people. The crowds went wild. They were in a frenzy. Their deliverance had come. Their oppression from Rome, their, their deliverance from their oppressors had come once again. They shouted, Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, salvation belongs to the Lord. They shouted, long live the king. But here's something else they shouted. And many people passed this over. I want you to see it for yourself. Matthew 21, 9. Listen very closely. Listen then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. <laughs> Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Hosanna to the son of David. This is very important because all the Jewish people know one specific prophecy that it says the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, will come from the loin of David. So when they said, blessed be the Lord, right? The son of David, Hosanna. Thank you, son of David. When they referred to him as the son of David, that was calling him the Messiah. They knew him as the Messiah. They were acknowledging Jesus as their Lord, as their Messiah, the deliverer. Out of their own mouths, hail to the king, hail to the Messiah, hail to the son of David. A matter of fact, let me take off my jacket. Walk on my jacket, Messiah. Walk on my coat, Messiah. Here, honey, take your coat off. Walk on my wife's coat. She belongs to you too, Messiah. Are you getting this picture? They were blinded to Jesus' real mission. They thought that Jesus was coming to set up a kingdom on earth and he was going to defeat the Romans and, and overtake them and, and proclaim himself king over the world. But Jesus didn't come to set up a powerful political kingdom on earth. He came to set up God's glorious kingdom on earth. His spiritual, his eternal kingdom. And Jesus said it all the time. The kingdom of God is upon you. Behold, the kingdom of God has suddenly come upon you. In order for Jesus to establish the kingdom of God, there was a few things that he had to do first. 
He had to destroy the work of sin, the works of Satan, and all the works of darkness. Jesus had to defeat sin and death. And the only way to do that is by way of the cross. I'll tell you another thing. He had to conquer death. And the only way to conquer death is to actually be put to death. He can't come out of a tomb unless he's put in the tomb. And they're not going to put you in a tomb unless you're dead. So the price of your freedom, the price for my freedom was death. But isn't it beautiful that Jesus said in John 10, 18, he says, no one takes my life from me but I lay it down of myself I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again this command I have received from my father hallelujah that is powerful I could I could serve a God like that hallelujah Jesus's ride into Jerusalem was cause for celebration however when they realized, the Jews, when they realized that Jesus was not there to set himself up as a king on earth, guess what happened? They began to despise him. They began to hate on him. How about this? The honeymoon was over. Jesus' first act as king was going to the father's house. How many know that whenever we enter a town somewhere, the first place we should go is to the church, right? Jesus said, where's, where's my father's house? That's where I'm going. I'm going to Jerusalem for Passover. The first thing I'm going to do is get into the presence of my father. And he goes right to the temple. And when he gets there, what did he see? They were bartering. They were selling doves and sheep and goats. And they were selling all kinds of uh, different things to make money off of the church they were exploiting the things of God Jesus said you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves and a den of robbers and guess what now the king now he starts to rip branches off of the tree himself how about this and he starts whipping the merchants with branches oh what a change of events what a sudden change. Now the palms, he picks up some palms and he starts whipping people. And the Bible says he starts turning over the money tables. He had a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. And let me tell you, when he started to correct people, they turned on him like a light switch. Click, click. A flip-flop. They turn on the Lord. Their cries went from Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna the highest to crucify him. Crucify him. We don't want him anymore. We want our money back. We've got buyer's remorse. This is not the God we were expecting. This is really not the son of David. We take it back. Crucify him. Let me tell you. It's much like today. I kid you not. Think of it this way. There's an old proverb. You give a man a fish, he'll eat today. You teach him how to fish, 
he'll eat forever, right? But now let me put the little 2020 modern version. Give a man a fish, he'll bless you. Oh, praise God, you're my best friend. You're my BFF forever. I'm going to like you on Facebook. But you try to teach him how to fish, now he's mad at you, he's offended. I can't believe you making me go out and actually fish for myself. I can't believe this. And now you get offended. You want more fish? I'll show you how to fish. Now you go and do likewise. And now we get upset. This is the time where everybody gets upset for any little thing. And let me tell you, it's not just in, in the world, in the church. Everybody loves their pastor. Pastor, you're the best. Pastor, I love you, pastor. Mwah, mwah. Hugs and kisses, pastor. Pastor, you're the man. Oh, I was so blessed by that message, pastor. Oh, I love you, pastor. But the minute the pastor gets in your Kool-Aid, hallelujah, the minute the pastor starts to read the email, your eternal mail, the, the minute the pastor starts to reproof and rebuke and correct even with love and whipped cream and sugar on top and sprinkles and a cherry, even if it goes down sweet and delicious, you still get upset. And so many people want to leave the church. I can't believe it. Pastor said that. I can't believe it. And then it gets worse. Then they start to gossip and murmur and retaliate. They say, I'm not giving to the church anymore. I'm not coming to the church. And then a Luciferian spirit enters into them and now they want to leave the church but they want to leave with a third of the members in the church and they want to get everybody to go with them and take them out so that they could all fall in the same sin like Lucifer did with the angels in heaven but let me tell you Jesus knew all about this he said offense will come but woe by whom the offense comes let me tell you believers we shouldn't be offended at all if we're corrected. We shouldn't. Glory to God. We shouldn't be offended. Let me give you some scripture to back this up because you're like pastor. Sometimes, man, you get on my nerves. So let me give you some love here. This is from David, Psalm 141.5. It says, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness and let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Let me tell you something. Let me bring it to a, a, a closer place. If you're a father, if you're a mother, and you have children, and you love your children, the Bible says spare not the rod, right? Because if you do, you'll spoil the child. It says, discipline your son or your daughter, for he will surely not die. I know I'm not getting no amens from the kids section. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you the truth. If you love your child, then out of love, you discipline and you demand respect. Because you would rather train up your child so they don't end up in prison. You give them the Bible before they get to prison. So that the Bible will keep them out of prison. And, and, and let me tell you, even if you've had to spank your kid, they may not like you for a little while. Dad, you suck. But when they get older, they start to say, Dad, you know, I love you, man. Thank you for being hard on me. Thank you, because you made me a man. I got hair on my chest now, kid. I got muscles. I, I'm the man now. I know how to run my life. Thank you, Father. I'm getting those, those kisses on the cheek now from my sons. 
I'm seeing they turn into men of God. And, and when they say even the little things, Dad, thank you for teaching me how to mow the lawn. I smell the cut grass and all I do is think of you and it brings tears to my eyes. Alec, I love you, bro. I love you, kid. He's in Germany right now. But, but I get these phone calls and it's the little things. These are kisses on the cheek. But if you love your children, you will train them. You will teach them. You will guide them. And every once in a while, you give them, tate quieto, tate quieto. You give them a little, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I was going to say, a cocotazo. I was going to say, chicharron. Where's my head? Oh, I'm hungry. Hallelujah. I was going to say, cocotazo, right? But I'm, saying, I'm thinking, chicharron, man. Praise God. God, have mercy on my soul. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to correct people. It's not fun, but it's beautiful. And, and, and those that are understanding that the correction is meant for their good, for their benefit. It's because you love them. And when you tell them, I don't care what Johnny's mother lets, you, lets him do. You're my son. You're my daughter. Let Johnny's mom do whatever they want. You belong to me. Can I get an amen up in this place? Praise God. If we believe, then we're being perfected <coughs> into the image of Christ. Let me read 1 Peter 2, 7 through 8. It says, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. That means the correction, even correction could be precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stumbling block, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, Jesus stayed in Jerusalem knowing that he was going to suffer. He knew that he was going to be led to the slaughter. The disciples would be uh, scattered. He knew all these things were going to ha happen, but he had to stay the course. Uh, at the Last Supper with the disciples, he said, there are some of you here that are going to be scattered. And he goes, and there's one of you among this group that's going to betray me. Imagine sitting at a table with someone who's going to betray you. Then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and he is betrayed. He tells his disciples, pray, pray. This is a crazy night, but what's about to happen? The shepherd is about to be struck, and the sheep are going to scatter. He told Peter, you will deny that you even know me. Pray, pray. Then Judas comes with a legion of soldiers, and he betrays Jesus with a kiss in the middle of the night. And then Jesus is brought after they beat him, severely beat him and chained him up, they brought him to Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate starts to uh, uh, look at him and, 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 and even mock him. The soldiers begin to flog him. He's severely flogged. And then they, they bring him to Herod. And then they bring him back to Pontius Pilate. And now he's all beat up. He's unrecognizable to the father. And now he exchanged his life for the life of Barabbas a convicted criminal, one who was guilty of insurrection and guilty of murder. The people that a week earlier were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, now they're saying, crucify him. We want Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. We'll take a killer. We'll take him. Put Jesus on the cross. Jesus was crucified. 
They put three nails in him, two in his hands and one on his feet. He was crucified on the uh, uh, Mount of the Skull, which is called Golgotha. And then he died. He, he breathed his last breath. He went to Sheol, Hades, where he led the captives free. And on the third day, he rose again. Because like I said earlier, he said he had the power to lay his life down and the power to take it up again. Now listen. We know the story, and you'll get more of it next week, but I want to tell you something. I don't want you to miss this. In three days, he rose again. 2 Peter 3, 8, it says 1,000 years is as a day, and a day like a 1,000 years. We know that we're in the seventh church age. There were 2,000 years that have gone by. That means, in essence, two days have gone by. How many know that we are currently now in the year 2020? We are the third day church. We're in the early morning of the third day. And you know what? In the third day, early in the morning, Jesus rose from the grave. The, the, the stone was rolled out and he did come out of his tomb. Jesus promised that he will return. And he says that before he comes, there will be numerous signs. He says, be aware of the times, the signs of the times. Now, let me tell you some things that you might have forgotten. We've already experienced the tetrad, what NASA calls a tetrad, which are the four blood moons. And I want you to really pay attention to this. Isn't it funny that all four of those moons, including the eclipse, happened during Passover and in one of the festivals of Israel? It wasn't a coincidence. Maybe one time might be a coincidence. But four moons and an eclipse all commemorated on Jewish festivals, Passover, and feast. Are you, are you thinking that God's trying to tell us something? He said, you will see signs in the heavens above and on the earth below. How about this? Do you remember the solar eclipse? In 2017, August 27, or excuse me, August 21st, 2017, we saw an actual solar eclipse in the middle of the day. All over the nation, it went pitch black for about a period of 10 minutes. And if you see the first path, it literally went from like Washington State all the way down by Florida. That was the first path. The second solar eclipse is expected on April 8th. 2024 and this one's going to come from i guess mexico all the way up towards new york and isn't it funny that the two paths are making an x across united states according to biblical scripture prophecy there is no united states in the biblical end times We've seen strange sights in the heavens above and on the earth below. We've seen the nation of Israel become a nation in one day fulfilling a prophecy in scripture. They were born literally on May 14, 1948. We also seen Israel defeat their enemies. By the way, to this day, they are still surrounded all over the place by their enemies. If you're looking at the screen, this is Israel, that little yellow dot. Everybody around them is a hater of Israel. They want to kill Israel, eradicate them off the earth. They're surrounded, but nobody could touch that nation because God says, I will defend Israel. I will tear into pieces any nation that comes against my chosen people. 
We've seen them destroy their enemies. They were severely outnumbered. And in six days, they took possession of Jerusalem. Last year, I believe it was 2018, we saw the nation of Israel turn Jerusalem back as the capital of Israel. We saw that in our watch, President Trump and President, uh, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, they declared Jerusalem as their capital. And now we have our embassy in Jerusalem. We are now experiencing earthquakes, floods, famines, pestilences, wars, and rumors of wars. We're seeing all these things in our day. We're also seeing all kinds of abominations that are saturating our land. The redefinition of marriage, gender indoctrinations, abortion by demand. We're seeing all kinds of, of, of homosexual lifestyles and all kinds of different things that the Bible says these are abominations. Jesus is coming. Saints of God, I tell you the truth. Please, don't, don't hate the messenger. Just listen to the truth. Jesus is coming. Get ready. It's coming. He is coming. Pastor John Hagee, I love this quote from him. He said, if God doesn't judge our nation for all of the things we have done, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Pharisees, they were upset and they thought that the people's praises were blasphemous and sacrilegious. They were like, we don't want them saying son of David. We don't want them to call you the Messiah. Please tell the people to stop. We don't want you to take over. What they were really saying, we don't want to lose our position. We don't want to lose our authority. We don't want to lose our status. We don't want to lose our home. We don't want to lose our money. The money keeps coming in. We don't want to lose that. Tell the people to be quiet. And Jesus said, I can't tell them to be quiet. If I told them to be quiet, the stones would cry out. Let me tell you, that's powerful. Nothing will hold back the word of God. Nothing is going to stop what has already been put in motion. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. Nothing is going to stop it. Not President Trump, not Putin, not Iran, not Iraq, not China, not virus, coronavirus. Nothing is going to stop the move of God's spirit on earth. Nothing is going to stop the return of Christ. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen soon. Be ready. In Luke 24... Jesus is talking to his disciples, verses 44 through 49. And it says, this is when he comes back. He's resurrected. He talks to his disciples. He says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. This is how the Jews knew that he was the son of David. Because they knew the Torah. And all throughout the Torah, Jesus is in the Torah. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is written. And thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high do you know what that power is that is the power of the Holy Spirit of God 
This is so important because the Jews, they accepted the law of Moses. Jesus is all over it. And it was the very law in the Bible where Jesus went into the temple and he read. He read from the book of Isaiah. And he says, today in your hearing, the scriptures are fulfilled. And they wanted to stone him. Jesus knew that he would have to suffer. They didn't want to hear his message. They didn't want to see what he came to offer. They didn't want to buy the goods. He knew like a rose trampled on the ground, he would have to give his life for the ransom of this world. He would have to pay your debt for the sins that are within the whole world. The gospel is supposed to be preached to the entire world, starting from Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the world. Of the world. Jesus came home to his people. And at first, they pretended to receive him. They wanted him. They wanted what they thought he could give them. They weren't trying to surrender to him. It was all for show. They didn't become humble. They didn't look for his holiness or their righteousness. They wanted a king. They would have surrendered to a king. They would have surrendered to someone that was going to give them what they wanted. People say today, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll surrender to you. I'll lay my clothes on the path before you. I'll throw palms at your feet if you do this for me. If you give me money, if you pay my bills, if you take care of my family, if you heal me of all my sickness, if you do what I want, if you wait for me so that when I'm good and ready, I'll pray. If you wait for me so if I feel like it, I'll worship you, uh, then I'll come to you. Then I'll serve you. I want you to become my genie in a bottle. I, I want to negotiate. I want to bargain a contract with you so that I could get to heaven, but I just don't want it to cost me too much. I don't want to give my whole life. You know I like to get my drink on. You know I like to smoke my little weed on the weekends or sometimes I like to get my groove on. You know about my little girlfriend, my little boyfriend. I, I still want to keep that intact because I know you love me and you're willing to forgive me. So I'm going to keep living how I wish. This is how we come to God. We want to bargain. We want to barter. And we want to tell him how we want to serve him. It doesn't work like that. Guess what? Jesus isn't begging you to come to him. How about that? You ever thought of that? Jesus isn't begging you to come to him. He came so that he could make a way for you to come to him. He came taking your place so that you could enter into a spiritual union with the Lord. Let me give you a little example. How many people like coffee, right? If you like coffee, let me tell you a little bit about coffee. Coffee by itself is just black, like black liquid. But if you add cream to the cup of coffee, there's a union that takes place. And that union now changes the dynamic, the elements. It changes the structure 
of that drink. And now, instead of a black cup of coffee or a white cup of coffee, you have now a light brown or tan, depending on how much cream you want in your coffee. But once the coffee and the cream come together, they are now integrated and they are made into one. And now you have a union in the cup. And that union, once you put it together, it cannot be separated ever again. The only thing you could do is chug it down. Amen? The coffee becomes another color. If you try to separate it, there's going to be chaos in the cup. In other words, it's impossible to separate. Why am I talking about coffee? Because when we come to Christ, there's a spiritual union that takes place. When we come to Christ, a spiritual union occurs. Jesus said, behold, I make all things new again. Praise God. When we come to Christ, salvation comes. And it's an indivisible, uh, indissolvable union between Christ and you. When Christ died, we die. When Christ arose, we arose with him. When Christ ascended, we ascended with him. Where he is, we too shall be. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. I'm coming to a close. Hallelujah. People of God, Jesus wants to ride into the home of your heart. He's coming as the Prince of Peace, and he's riding into the city. He's riding into Middletown. He's riding into your computer screen right now, and he wants to ride into your house. He wants to reformulate, reformat. He wants to fix everything that is asunder. You have a broken marriage, you need the Prince of Peace. You have a broken home, you need the prince of peace you have unsaved loved ones you need the prince of peace you need the lord to ride into your house this morning god wants to come into your heart he wants to give you eternal peace how many understand something that god wants to grant you not only his peace but his favor, especially over this corona, corvid, demonic virus that is plaguing our land. How many understand that the wrath of God is not reserved for God's people? But guess what is reserved? The judgment. Am I telling the truth? Wrath isn't for the people of God, but there is judgment. Okay, you need proof. Let me go there. Hallelujah. First Peter 4.17. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, then what would be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Let me tell you, if you have been waffling in your faith, if you have been on the seesaw straddling, I think I'll go this week. Nah, I'll stay home. Uh, 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 if you've been waffling on your face, on the teeter-totter, the seesaw, straddling the fence, let me tell you, it is high time to repent so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. You better be ready because Jesus is coming at any moment. It could happen today. The time for teeter-tottering and waffling over your salvation and your walk with God is over. It's time for the church now to arise, for the church of God to rise up. The Bible calls the church to go, ye therefore, into all the world. Yes, 
tribulations will come. Yes, offenses will come. Yes, pestilence and plague and wars and rumors of wars. All those things will come. But let me tell you, the same way Jesus overcame them, so can you. In him you will have peace. He is the author of peace. There is no fear in him because there's nothing but love. Hallelujah. 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Let me tell you something about this demon. I saw a, a, a really good video this week. It says that the, the COVID-19 virus is actually called coronavirus. The word corona, for many of us, we know that in Spanish, that word corona or corona is a crown. It means a crown. This virus has crowned itself as the coming king. This virus has ridden into our land uh, on a stallion and it had put a crown on his head like a king. And everybody's afraid. And you want to know something about this coronavirus? It thrives on the fear of man. It thrives on fear. It's riding into the homes. It's riding into the hospitals. It's riding into the grocery store. It's riding at the gas pumps. It's riding at the ATM machine. And everybody's afraid. And everybody's terrified. And the more we're afraid of this king virus, the more we're afraid of this demon, of this lie from the pit of hell, the more it thrives, the more it grows, the more it, 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 it plants itself into the hearts of the world. This crown thinks that today is a triumphant day for it because on, on the day that we're supposed to celebrate in the church of God and have the brethren together, everybody's at home and it thinks, look at this. I marched into your city and you can't be together, but I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Your place is underneath the sole of my feet. You have no place here. You have no authority here. And I release the healing of God into every home, into every body of believers that are listening to this message right now. Don't let this coronavirus uh, uh, try to take away your peace. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind according to 2 Timothy. Let me tell you, not only does it thrive on fear, but what does it do? It tries to take your breath away. It's a respiratory disease. And not only does it start by taking the fear and implanting you, impregnating you with fear, but then it starts attacking the lungs where the Spirit of God had breathed breath into your body and has given you life. And is saying, I'm here to give you life and that more abundantly. And this spirit wants to come and take the life away. It wants to take your breath away. It wants to cause you to be gripped in fear. Fear, the Bible says fear involves torment. The devil thrives on your fear. This whole coronavirus, I bind it back to the pit of hell. It's a demon filled with pride. It is a demon of evil in our land. It is an impersonating demon spirit that tried to march into our nation and tried to march into our land. But we're coming against it in the name of God. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah 28, 1 through 6. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valleys, to those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and strong one, like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing, who will bring them down to earth with his hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trampled underfoot. And the glorious beauty as a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valley like the first fruit before the summer, which an overseer sees, he eats it up while it is still in his hand. And in that day, the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment for strength and to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Hallelujah. Hear the word of the Lord. This plague, this pestilence is not going to last long. God will use even this for his glory, for his purposes. People, do not fall asleep. Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. Jesus wants to ride in and overthrow any other spirits, any other crowns that are in your life. He wants to replace the crowns that you had, and he wants to give you a new crown. How many know that there's a new crown laid up for you in glory? 1 Thessalonians. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not you, even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, at his coming. First Peter. Hallelujah. First Peter 5.4. And when the chief shepherd appears. You will receive the crown of glory. That does not fade away. Revelations 2.10. Do not fear. Turn to your neighbor. Just tell him. Do not fear. Hallelujah. That's right. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. But be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus knew he would be rejected. Jesus knew he would suffer like we spoke about at the, at the communion. He says, I've waited for this time my whole life. It is with a fervent desire I've come, longing to sit at the table and sit and eat this meal with you. How many know that Jesus is longing to have relationship with you? Jesus is longing to ride into your heart and kick out the enemy and kick out those vices and kick out those bondages that have been holding you back. He's coming right now, riding on a colt into your heart. Will you receive him this morning? Will you receive the Lord of Lords, the King of all kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? Will you shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest? Or will you say, crucify him, crucify him? Who is the King of glory in your life this morning? Saints of God, God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment and bow our heads.
We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.